Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everyone. It is a joy to be here with you today, despite the antagonistic words that were delivered toward my LSU Tigers. Uh, But we were humbled last year, deservedly so after the incredible 2019 year where we set all kinds of records. And so, uh, but the Lord has humbled us greatly since then, and uh, we're not here to talk about football, though. But it is a joy to be with you here today. Uh, So many of my convictions as a preacher and a pastor were formed through the ministry of this seminary. And I want to thank Dr. Aiken for his part in that, but also for the invitation to be with you here today. Let's prepare our hearts for worship through the preaching, hearing, and receiving of God's word through prayer. So would you bow with me this morning? Father, we're so grateful to be able to gather as friends, as fellow believers this morning around your word. And Father, we gather to hear you speak. And so would you meet us here today as we gather before your word and would you speak to us and to receive, Father, your word as you intend it. We need the help of your Holy Spirit. And so we ask that he would come and he would do his illuminating work amongst us, that he would open our ears to hear who, our our eyes to to see who you're, you're revealing yourself to be to us through your word. God, that we would know you and have fellowship with you because of who you are revealing yourself to be to us today and that he would open our ears to hear who you're calling us to be as a people, as you seek to shape us and mold us into the image of your son, the incarnate word, Jesus Christ, so that we can bring you glory. And that's what we desire to do. With every fiber of our being, we wanna bring you glory, God. And for me, that includes this moment of preaching. And so in it, I ask as always that you would increase and I would decrease. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Have you ever found yourself in a desperate situation? Like a truly desperate situation? Not I need a, a cup of coffee desperate situation, but really desperate where you didn't know where you were gonna turn to or go because of the severity of the situation. I had a truly desperate moment. It was just a moment a few years ago in August of 2020. That was in the middle of COVID and we were living in Irving, Texas at the time and my parents lived in North Louisiana at the time and we had not been able to see them because of the restrictions surrounding COVID. And my dad has an autoimmune disease. My wife is a nurse. We were just not able to see each other. But in August of 2020, we finally felt like it was safe enough for me to take our children and go visit my parents in North Louisiana. Jordan wasn't able to come. She was still working at the hospital. And so I braved taking a four-year-old son and a just one-year-old daughter with our two dogs on this four-hour journey from Dallas to Bastrop, Louisiana. And on the way over there, I learned some lessons. It's not good to drive with two preschoolers and two dogs during the middle of the day. And so when we decided to return home, I told my parents, hey, we're going to leave on Friday evening to start heading back home because I want to drive when the kids are asleep. And that'll be in the best interest of everyone. And so we stayed late into the day on Friday. I get the kids bathed, loaded up, the dogs loaded up, and we begin our journey back toward Dallas, Texas, Irving, Texas. And just an hour in, we get from Monroe to Ruston, Louisiana, and my son says, I gotta go to the bathroom. 
Well, that age, you can't wait, okay? So I'm looking for any kind of option for my son to be able to go to the restroom. And I just got outside of the outskirts of Ruston, Louisiana, and I saw this abandoned Exxon Mobil station kind of on the outskirts of town. It looks like in the middle of nowhere. And I said, well, that's, that's an easy win. I'll just pull into this abandoned Exxon Mobil station, let you go to the bathroom, and then we'll get back on the road. I don't have to get everybody out. I don't have to, to worry about uh, the dog staying in the car. This will be easy. And so... I pull over in the middle of nowhere, this abandoned gas station. I start getting Jude out to go to the restroom. And then our dog, we had, we had a Shih Tzu at the time. Her name is Lucy. started trying to jump out of the car. And I said, no, Lucy, you can't do that. So I shut the door to keep her in the car. It's running with my daughter inside and our other dogs. And as soon as I shut the door, Lucy jumps up on the side of the door and hits the lock button. And my keys are in the car. My phone's in the car. Uh, Worst of all, my daughter is in the car. And so I've got one four-year-old on my hip sitting outside my running car and one daughter on the inside who's just now recognizing I'm not with her and begins to scream. And I don't know what to do. Uh, there's, There's nobody around. None of the things that I rely on typically to get me out of a jam are here. And so I take a moment, have a little bit of a hissy fit in this abandoned parking lot and try to compose myself. And I think, okay, what am I going to do? Well, it just so happens in God's providence, about two, three minutes after this happens, a car turns on the road right in front of this Exxon mobile station. So I start running toward this car with my four-year-old on my hip waving at them. And thankfully, these two young men stopped. And I said, hey, listen, this is going to sound really unusual, but can I borrow your phone because I need to call the police because my dog locked my one-year-old daughter in my running car? And they said, sure, that's fine. And within about three or four minutes after that phone call, four of Rustin's finest police officers pulled up and they said, hey, listen, we don't normally open car doors, but given the situation, we'd be willing to do this. Are you okay if we break the windows of your car? And I said, listen, If you don't break them, I'm going to break them. So if you can get in, great. If you break it, I'm not worried about it. And then then 10 or 15 minutes after that, we are back on the road. I got to tell you guys, there's a five-minute window where I was panicked. I didn't know who to turn to or what to do. And, And even 30, 45 minutes after this situation, I was shaking because my adrenaline was so high just because of the desperation of that moment. Now, thankfully, that desperation was short-lived. But have you ever found yourself in a desperate situation like this? Maybe for a longer period of time, and maybe with a whole lot more at stake. Maybe you're in a desperate situation this morning. You know, life doesn't stop happening when you come to seminary. Desperation follows us. And if that's you, If you're desperate, you will identify with the people that we meet in our text today in the gospel of Matthew chapter 9. At the end of Matthew chapter 9, we encounter some truly desperate people, people who have been desperate for a long time. Now, they have different reasons for their desperation, but they are all desperate nonetheless. And through their stories of desperation, Matthew wants to teach us something under the influence of the Holy Spirit. He wants to show us something remarkable 
about the work that Jesus came to do that I hope will minister to you deeply today at the core of your soul. Jesus has come to meet us in our moments of desperation. He's come to help us, in fact, in our greatest moment of trouble, to rescue us from our despair. And here's what I hope for us this morning as we gather around the word of God. I want us to recognize that everyone apart from Christ is in a truly desperate situation. And whatever temporary desperate moments we face in this life are actually symptomatic of a greater desperation that we need to be rescued of. They are a a blip, a shadow of what truly ails us. But I also want us to see that at the exact right moment, God sent someone to meet us in our desperation and rescue us from it. More than that, I want us to see that Jesus delights and helping us in our moments of desperation. I want us to see the compassion of Christ on display toward those who who recognize their desperation and turn to him for help because the story of the gospel is the story of a compassionate Christ who delivers us from our desperation. Let's turn together, Matthew 9, we're gonna read verses 18 to 34 and here's what the word of God says says, while he was saying these things, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I can only touch his garment, I will be made well. And Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the the flute players, the crowd, these professional mourners making a commotion, he said, go away for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went throughout all the district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened and Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it, but they went away and spread his fame through all the district. And as they were going away, behold, a demon oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man man spoke and the crowds marveled saying, never has anything like this been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the prince of demons. Now in this text, we meet some very desperate people. And what's interesting is how their collective desperation really provides a picture for us of our own reality apart from Christ. Our own situation before we encountered a resurrected and living Jesus. Matthew describes four encounters between Jesus and desperate people that are meant to help us 
better understand the work that he has come to accomplish for all of us. And may the hope that they found be our hope as well today, people of God. The first encounter, encounter number one, is between Jesus and a guy named Jairus, and then also his daughter. And we see this in verses 18 to 26. Now, to help with some of the details of who Jairus is, we need to look at Mark's parallel gospel in Mark chapter 5. That's where we get his name, and we know that he is a ruler of the synagogue. And Jairus' daughter is taken ill. And the illness is so severe that his daughter dies. And Jesus come, or Jairus comes to Jesus desperate and he, he begs him, begs him to heal his little girl. Now, friends, I can't think of a more desperate situation than Jairus's is, praying, begging for the life of your child. By God's grace, I've never been in that situation, but we know people in our church and churches that we have served at previously that have found themselves in a similar situation. As a parent, I would do anything for my kids. I would do anything for my kids. And I know if you're a parent, you feel the exact same way. And it's a, it's a defeating thing when you come to the end of your ability and your children are facing something that you cannot do anything about. You see, death breeds desperation because death feels final. It feels like there's nothing you can do once you get to the point of death. It's the most common threat that we face as mankind and we've tried our best to overcome it in our own strength and we have not been able to find a solution yet. Maybe you find yourself in a situation like this today. Maybe someone you love has died. Maybe you have or or someone you love has gotten a prognosis that's not very good. When Jairus's moment of desperation, when he faced what perhaps you're facing, he turns to Jesus. Then there's a second encounter in verses 20 to 22 with the woman with the issue of blood. Now this woman, who is unnamed, has been perpetually ill. This issue of blood for some time, 12 years, the Bible tells us. That's a long time to be in a desperate place. Mark's account tells us she had spent all of her money trying to find a cure for this issue, and yet she had not gotten better. In fact, her disease had gotten worse. She was weak and she was desperate. Everyone she turned to was unable to help her. But you also need to know that the issue that this woman is facing is not just physical. There's a, a greater issue at play regarding her ritual purity. Because according to the book of Leviticus, chapter 15, verse 25, this particular illness and the discharge of blood that came with it made her unclean. She was like a, a leper living in her society, constantly forced to stay outside of her community. Because of this issue, she would have had to leave her family and her village in order to make sure that her uncleanness did not spread to others. So can you just imagine the desperation of this woman, her longing to be healed, but not only to be healed, but be declared clean, to be restored and freed from this isolation that the illness caused her. And so she turns to Jesus. And then there's this third encounter, the two blind men in verses 27 to 31. 
We see these two blind men following Jesus and crying out to him for mercy. Being blind at this time in human history was very difficult. In fact, aside from death, it was looked on as the worst kind of affliction, oftentimes associated with divine punishment. But unfortunately, it was a common ailment. Think about how many things go wrong with our eyes today. And we can just go to the optometrist, get some glasses, get some, some contacts or have LASIK surgery. That was not an option back in this moment of history. And so they were forced to beg and rely upon others to help them. Oftentimes, they were abandoned in the streets. And so these blind men were desperate, and in their desperation, they turned to Jesus. And then there's this fourth encounter in verses 32 to 33 with the demon-possessed mute. Now, the desperation of this encounter is twofold. Not only can the man not speak, we're told that he can't speak because he is possessed He's oppressed by a demon. There's a, a physical issue that's a result of a spiritual issue. And his situation is in some ways more desperate than any of the other ones we've encountered to this point because he can't even recognize his desperate situation. He has to be brought to Jesus. And even as he's brought to Jesus, he couldn't cry out to Jesus if he wanted to. So in this one passage alone, we see the desperation of death, the desperation of being unclean and isolated, the desperation of blindness and abandonment, and the desperation of spiritual affliction, demonic activity. But what do we also see in response? What do we also see in the person of Jesus? We see compassion. We see the, the mercy and love of Christ on display. The desperation of man is met by the glorious compassion of Christ. And my friends, this is good news. Can we just take a moment this morning and marvel together at the compassion of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus honors the request of Jairus. And he brings his daughter back to life. And he does so in verse 25 with a personal touch. Think about this. He touches the dead girl's body. Now, for any other person at this time to touch a dead girl's body would make them unclean. But when Jesus touches the dead girl's body, he's not made unclean. He makes her undead. There have been others in the scripture, who have brought dead people back to life. Elijah did it in 1 Kings 17, Elisha in 2 Kings 4, but none had done so in connection with the claims that Jesus is making. No, he's taking the mantle of these prophets and showing that he is a greater prophet, the greater Elijah, the greater Elisha. More than that, he is showing us a beautiful, beautiful picture of the union of power and compassion on display. And then Jesus allows the unclean woman with the issue of blood to touch him. And then, remarkably, he notices her. And he calls her daughter. Look at verse 22. Because I don't want us just to, to miss over what Matthew is telling us here. If I could only touch his garment, she said, I'll be made well. And then Jesus turned and seeing her. Think about that. Seeing her said, take heart, my daughter. Your faith has made you well. Listen, can you imagine a woman who had been avoided 
for 12 years. When people walked by here, they would avert their eyes, suddenly having Jesus Christ looking her in the eye and calling her daughter, a woman who lived in an isolation, suddenly face to face with the Son of God. He speaks to her, acknowledges her, and heals her. Heals her. Not only physically, but societally. She's restored. She's able to return to her family and her community. And the blind men, Jesus touches their eyes. He touches them. He honors their God-given belief by healing them. And as he heals them, he touches the part of them that is most broken. He doesn't ignore ignore their cry for help. More than that, he engages it. He engages it in such a way to let them know he knows their pain. And then finally, he sets the demon-possessed man free, displaying his authority over the, the physical and the spiritual and everyone around marvels. How could we not? How could we not marvel at Jesus, this compassionate Savior? He is loving. He is merciful. Do you see the heart of God here for those who are hurting? Do you see the heart of God here for those who are in need? Do you see the heart of God here for those who have nowhere else to go? Do you see the heart of God for you? In Matthew chapter 9, because We were desperate. We were desperate before Christ. The Bible says that we were dead and we were surrounded by death. Ephesians 2, Romans 6. Before Christ, we were unclean. Hebrews chapter 9. Before Christ, we were blind, unsure where to turn or who to follow to to find life. And this God who created us, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Before Christ, we were bound by the sin of this world, unable to recognize our desperation or even to be able to call out to Christ for help. Romans chapter 6. What we see in Matthew chapter 9 is a description of our reality as broken and sinful people. It's a a physical picture that teaches us a greater spiritual reality about our desperation. But hear me this morning, God did not look down upon us with apathy. He didn't ignore our cries for help. He looked down upon us with love and mercy and he had compassion for us and acted to help us, to give us a way out, a rescue from our desperation. He sent his one and only son. He has acted in Jesus to take us by the hand and lead us out of death. He has taken notice of us and cleansed us for his glory restoring us to the people of God. He has touched our eyes and allowed us to see what we could not have seen on our own, removing the scales of sin. And he has broken the oppressive chains of bondage in this world and given us a voice to cry out for him, to him in salvation. And more than that, When we cried out to him in in faith for salvation, a faith and a voice that he gave to us, he miraculously said, yes. That's the kind of God, friends, that we serve. Would you hear the familiar words of John 3.16 today? This is how God has loved us, that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal 
life. Later in in Matthew 9, verse 36, we see Jesus being moved by compassion to help us. And the gospel is an eternal reminder of how much he has helped us. This is good news. Do you believe this? Do you believe that God desires to help us, to save us as his people? Jesus is our compassionate Savior. He is our willing and able Savior. And I want to spend a moment here because I I really want this to resonate deeply within us. Jesus wants to help us. He delights in helping us. He's not just willing, but enabled. Some of you may come up to me later today and say, Jared, I'm in a, I'm in a bad financial pickle and I need $10,000. Well, I may be willing to help you, but I can assure you I am unable. And Jesus isn't also able, but unwilling. That'd be a difficult situation. Yeah, I could certainly help you, but I'm not gonna do it. Sorry, you're out of luck. That's not the savior that we serve, friends. He is willing and he is able. And he delights to to pair his compassion and mercy with his power to meet us in our desperation and rescue us. The question is, will we turn to him? Will we turn to him? Will we recognize the great desperate moment that we're in and cling? To Jesus. Now, I do want to take a moment here and address a natural question that could arise from this passage, one that I feel the need to address every time I preach on a text that, that shows Jesus healing someone physically. Because we've talked here about the, the spiritual implications, the spiritual picture that, that clearly Jesus is trying to paint for us through these miraculous events. But what about the actual physical healings? Jared, is this passage teaching us that if we simply have enough faith, turning to Jesus in faith, claiming healing in faith, that Jesus will heal us always from physical sickness? Let me speak into this just a little bit because obviously there are some strains of teaching that would answer this differently than I think the scripture answers it. If you look at the whole of Matthew's gospel, it becomes clear that these physical miraculous works are meant to be testimonies to Christ's larger work, to prove his authority coming right out of all the claims he's made in the Sermon on the Mount and also to fulfill specific prophecies about the Messiah and the coming of the Messiah. And listen, Jesus always wants to tie these miraculous moments to his teaching so that he's not misunderstood. As we see in Matthew 9.30, testimony without truth can be damaging. And so he's always careful there to say, hey, don't tell anybody yet, even though often they do. So there was a specific purpose to these physical healings to declare Jesus' ability to save us from our greater desperation, our eternal spiritual desperation. And sometimes God still acts in that way today to show his power to those who do not know him through physical healing to call people to himself. But sometimes, and I think more often the case, the physical aspect of healing is delayed. 
But we have to believe that if that physical healing is delayed, it is done so for a purpose. And remember, every single person that was healed in this passage died of something else. There was something else that caught up with them because that is the fate that we will all face until or if, when, Christ's return. So you need to cling to, to a different promise today. If you are in Christ, a healing has already happened. If you are in Christ, you are guaranteed a future healing. And what we are seeing on the page here is a vision of the future where we should place our hope. He has already set us free from sin and we have the promise that he will make all things new. But for now, until he returns, we live in a broken and fallen world that includes illness and physical death, realities that by God's grace can situate our hearts for another place where our longing is properly placed. We must believe that inasmuch there was purpose in the healings then, there is also purpose and delay, yes, even in our suffering. And all of it is meant to point us to the goodness and greatness of God to position our hearts for the greater deliverance of desperation that will come when Jesus calls us home. So let us not allow these momentary troubles to cause us to lose heart. Let's ask God to use them in the way that he designed to to place our minds on Christ and glory. Let's cling to the true promises of God and not cling to promises that he never made. Let's remember the greater work our compassionate Christ has accomplished for us and run to him in confidence. Listen to these words from Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 verses 16 to 18. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now as We end our time together today. Let me draw your attention to some possible ways we can respond to the preaching of God's word because we believe that God speaking to us always demands a response. So let's prayerfully think about some ways that this text can cause us to look to Christ. And firstly, let me just say this. If you are in a desperate place this morning, if you're joining us online or you're here in the room, would you cry out to God in faith. If you're feeling the brokenness, the weightiness of this world, a heaviness in your life because of illness or death, would you turn to Christ? You may have spent a lot of money, seen a lot of experts to help you cope with what it is that ails you. But let me ask you a question this morning. Have you sought Jesus? Have you run to him to ask him to give you a peace that passes understanding, to sustain you in ways, even in the midst of difficult moments, that no one else can? And let me encourage you, as you come to him, do so in a a truly faith-filled way, not entitled, believing that a claim of faith requires him to do something he never promised, 
Not with a flawed understanding of the the work he is trying to do or the way that he can redeem even our most difficult moments. Seek him in a way that declares trust in him, trust in his goodness, trust in his larger redemptive plan. And trust that he will allow you to rejoice even in this difficulty as he shapes your heart for eternity. Let me also just say a word that I think is appropriate every time we preach God's word. Some of you may not feel desperate today. Some of you may be actually blinded to the deeper desperation that is true of all mankind. And and deep down, maybe you even laugh at the words of Jesus, as some did in verse 24. I know we're at a seminary, but I was at seminary. And I got to tell you guys, my time and my, my master's in 2005, 2006, 2007 in New Orleans were some of the deepest, darkest times of my life. Are you turning to Jesus? Do you recognize truly the desperate situation you are in apart from Christ and your sin? Do you recognize the desperate eternal situation that awaits all of those who are apart from Christ? And have you repented and believed in him unto salvation? I pray that we would not just go through the motions here. I pray that we would all see, all see our desperate situation apart from Jesus. And we would be moved by the love God has shown us in Christ. We would be moved by the compassion and the mercy that God has shown us in Jesus to move us to a place of repentance and belief. Transformative repentance and belief. Have you felt that moment of desperation in your soul and your spirit where you recognized your lostness and there was nothing you could do to save yourself? And did you look to Christ, who alone can save? Oh, but today would be the day. Secondly, if you have, if you have turned to Christ in faith, and I pray that as all of us here, if you have, would you rejoice? Would you, re- would you rejoice in the compassion that God has shown you in Christ? There has never been a more incredible display of love and mercy in action than Jesus willingly coming into the world, living a perfect sinless life, dying on the cross to take the wrath of God that we deserved so that in his resurrection, we could have the opportunity to step into abundant eternal life. There's never been a greater act of love than that And if we have received the gift of salvation through repentance and belief, would you just feel that love anew on you today? Would you just rejoice in the fact that in your greatest moment of desperation, God looked upon you with compassion and sent his son to save you? May we never get over that, friends. May we never get over the way with which God has loved us. You may have been rejected by this world. You may have lived in isolation, but hear me this morning. Your Savior looks at you, he sees you, and he calls you son or daughter. May we rejoice in that. That's the message of the gospel. And then finally, 
would we commit to bring those who need Jesus to him? And this may be the most important application for us here today as those who are in seminary, desire to serve in ministry. I'm moved by verse 32. This is the part of the passage about this demon-oppressed man who was mute. And he says, Matthew says, as they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. Was brought to him. The other people pursued Jesus. Jairus, the woman with the issue of blood, the two blind men, they knew their issue and they came to Jesus. They ran after Jesus. But this man couldn't. He didn't know. He was covered in oppression. He didn't know his issue. And even if he did, he couldn't speak about it. And so some people looked at him. They saw the issue. They saw his desperation. And they took him by the hand. And they led him to the only place where his desperate situation could be resolved. In Jesus Christ. Can I ask you, friends, do we love people this way? Do we take time to see the desperate situation of people around us and engage it and lead them to the feet of Jesus? Even when it's costly, even when it's time consuming. Listen, ministry is messy. People's lives are, are messy. Are we, are we willing to get in there in the midst of these lives of desperation that we have the privilege to pastor and shepherd and counsel, and are we willing to not give them good advice, but give them good news? Are we willing to take them to the only place where true rescue can be found? Because that can only be found in Jesus. Oh, friends, would you see this morning our compassionate Christ? And would you rejoice would you rejoice that you have received that compassion and faith and salvation? May we never get over it. May we always worship him because of it, now and for all of eternity. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this moment to gather around your word. Thank you for this moment to simply glory in the person and work of Christ. May our hearts be stirred as we go to class, as we go to places of ministry and service, to do so with a heart of worship. And Father, would you also break us for those people around us who are in desperate situations, who are in the greatest desperate situation, lostness, and have no idea where to turn. And would you help us as your people bring them to your son so that you can draw them to yourself. Work through us and in us, we pray, for your glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.com. Edu.